What's going on, podcast family? Ben here for Devo Bad Company. Rooted in eastern Washington, Devo uses nothing but the highest quality maple, ash, birch on the market. You know what? It makes a difference. At Devo Bats, they take pride in the craftsmanship that goes into each and every wooden bat produced. Your success at the plate is their ultimate priority. They want you to know when you think of bats, think of Devo Bats. Devo Bats, your Northwest supplier of affordable quality wooden bats. Hey podcast fam, it's Ben here from my friends over at Baseballism. Founded by four former college baseball players and teammates, their love and passion for the game did not stop after leaving the playing field. An amazing organization founded on the beliefs of class, tradition, and the history of baseball. I personally shop at Baseballism because of the quality of their products and the top of the line customer service I get each and every time. Take it from me, an avid hat lover. Baseballism is not your run-of-the-mill apparel company. Check them out at any of their fine locations or visit them online at baseballism.com baseballism built for the love of the game portland is a baseball town our secretary didn't have anybody on the phone There was nobody on the phone. They were just egging me along. So they brought a little short, chubby guy in with the name Peters and put him <laughs> in my place and sent me to double A ball. Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon. This is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Without further ado, your hosts, Ben and Dave. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. As always, I am your host, Ben, on this call. And I'm Dave. <laughs> it's Dave. Dave's back. I'm back. I was in hibernation. Here I am. <laughs> now I'm in quarantine. I was in hibernation to come back to quarantine. So here I am. Yeah. So this is COVID-19 world right now. So we're, yeah. having, to, we're having to do everything via internet to do any sort of interviews or anything. But uh, you you're still kicking it, Dave? Yeah, I'm, I'm hanging in there. My teenagers are driving me up the wall. Um it's it's crazy. I don't know how long this is gonna last, but uh, I'm sane, barely, <laughs> For barely <now>. sane. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, with our COVID nineteen scare going on right now, we uh, we really originally wanted to bring this uh, guest that we have on today uh, in person, but uh, with the circumstances, we're just gonna go ahead and uh, throw this one on via Skype. And uh, without further ado. Uh, Coach Jake Valentine with the University of Portland joins us today. How are you doing, Coach? I'm great. Yeah. Thanks for making time. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I got, I got plenty of it right now. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's growing. Motivational texts going out to your players and whatnot. And... Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. we've been we've been pretty regular with constant communication. Cause... Creative home workouts. Yeah. <laughs> they've uh they've had to get pretty creative. That's for sure. My jelly belly could use some of those. <laughs> I'm fighting the dad bod right now too. I got a oh, five dude. Dad bod is is kicking is winning. The bat dad bod battle is winning. Your dad bod's been winning for what, like ten yeah. years for you, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, the the war is over. Never mind. All battles have been won. Yeah, I just I just gave up trying to maintain the current weight that I got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, well, Coach, uh, thanks again. Thanks for joining us. We we really appreciate it, and we really uh, wanted to get you on here to talk um, for two episodes, anyways, to get you talk about your history um, uh, with playing and then into coaching to where you're at. So, a um, little bit about yourself. You uh, were born and raised in Vancouver, Washington. Is that correct? Yeah, right across the bridge, uh, kind of right on the edge of Polita and Ridgefield. Yep. Southwest Washington's a baseball mecca. Yeah. It's baseball culture is strong in that area. I was lucky to grow up with a lot of pretty strong mentors like uh, Kurt Daniels. And, um, you know, my my grandfather was super intertwined with the baseball world growing up, too. Mm-hmm. So I was constantly around a lot of those, um, you know, old school, old time Vancouverites. So it was it was yeah. awesome. What was um, what's your earliest memory of, of baseball itself? Like uh, with like what what really got you into the game? Because you know with everybody, there's something that got them into the game of baseball. What what do you remember as your earliest memories of what got you into the game of baseball? I, I just remember running around uh, ballparks when my dad was, and Kurt Daniels were coaching at Columbia River High School. Um, you know, so just kind of cruising all over the joint and just running amok and um man just being around the ball field all the time and the the players you know they would kind of throw me wiffle balls here and there or um just kind of being around the game nonstop, and it was just like man this is pretty sweet like um you know I was lucky enough my parents uh forced me to kind of try everything um and then allowed me to pick and it was you know I was kind of in love with baseball just from I'd say my earliest memory playing wiffle ball in the backyard and um, just going to the ballpark every day. So now, um, how long did you said your dad was a coach? Now, how long did he coach for? Only a couple of years. He got into he started working at his uh, my dad my grandfather's business after that. Um, but I was just kind of like the old scouts, like Hank Jones and all those guys. They were always around as well. So. Um, I was always constantly going to and from different ball fields, checking out different players. And I was just always around it, man. Like whether I didn't know any better, um, you know, whether I was playing Hazel Metro or Salmon Creek Little you League. You just assumed that's what life was. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was just, yeah, this is this is what you do. When when you first started playing baseball it, itself, were you playing all over the field like everybody does, or did you sort of want to jump into one specific position? Um, you know, I, I kind of played all over the place, but I'd say you know when it really started getting really competitive, I was a middle infielder at that point, mm-hmm. and then um, you know once I got over to Hawaii later on in my career, I got moved out to the center field. Um, so. You know, I was like a one-tool prospect. I could just really run. So, <laughs> hey, you know what? Speed up. never slumps. All right, yeah, speed true. never slumps. Yes. <laughs> you Major <can> league. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so talking. Let's let's dive in a little bit more on your early baseball years. Um, okay. so what positions were you playing when you when you got kind of more competitive in the little league years and onward? Um, yeah, so Little League, I was always somewhere in the infield. Um, I caught a lot in Little League. Um, and then once we got into like Hazel Metro, Babe Ruth type stuff, then I'd moved into like short or second. Um, high school, I'd float kind of all over the infield. Um, 
Vancouver Cardinals, you know, we were pretty loaded at, the, at in those years. So I'd float anywhere on the infield and, um, you know, just kind of made my name in the infield and uh, switch hitter and just kind of did whatever the coach asked me to do. And I was just, you know, undersized dude that tried to grind as hard as I could. Yeah. Yeah. Now talk a little, let's talk a little bit about your, um, your early high school years when you uh, started playing. What, what school did you attend uh, for high school? I went to, I went to Skyview high school right when it opened. Yeah, um, we were actually, school. yeah, we were actually the first graduating class. Mm-hmm. Um, Ed Little was the principal at the time. He actually ended up being the efficient in my wedding. Um, oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Pretty, pretty, pretty cool deal. But I had Tad Thompson, um, Played at Washington State back in the day, but he was my high school coach. Hmm. Um, he was very, uh, very tough guy, you know, hard love type deal, and it definitely prepared me for, you know, college after that. So. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, were you uh, a four-year letter? Were you a three-year letter? What, what... I was a three-year letter at Skyview. Um, I was actually like the first Valentine not to go to Columbia River, so I got a bunch of flack from yeah <laughs> breaking legacies right there, huh? <laughs> yeah. So what's uh what's the one um because le- now that you're a coach, what's one leadership aspect that you learned um during your time playing in high school from those coaches that you think that you use you you often use these days as as a coach uh, at University of Portland. Man, I, you know, I try to, both as a player and as a coach, I think you're doing yourself a big disservice if you're not taking something from everybody. Um, and I know I was lucky and I got different pieces from different coaches in high school. Um, I know for Tad, the thing that, you know, served me well and it worked with my personality was like, you know, no one cares. Like whatever your excuses are, whatever you had, at the gate before you walked in, like no one cares. Mm-hmm. Like if you want it, you got to work for it. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's just kind of, you know, our guys, we talk about it even now at the university of Portland, like it really it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what your friends think. It doesn't matter what your family thinks. Like when you're on the field, nobody cares. It's all about what so you, you got to learn to cope and compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. Huh? Absolutely. Coping and compartmentalizing. Yeah. Now, what was run us through like a typical like day for if that you can remember for like practicing and stuff? Like, how often were you practicing? Because uh, as we were all aware, you know the the weather can be a little iffy here in the spring, early springtime, late late winter when you're starting to play ball. What was what was that experience like from what you can remember? Yeah, so I I do I do remember a lot of rain out practices where um, we 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 were lucky enough at Skyview we had uh, cages underneath. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so we would go in there a lot, and then we'd actually get a lot of the infield work on the gymnasium floor. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they allow them to do that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, we, we would get a lot of work inside. And then I know Tad, you know, I think first three days of tryouts, he just made us run uh, the <laughs> whole time, um, you know, so that – the kind of the guys that weren't there for the right reasons would get thinned out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so I was, I always remember those first three days always sucked, but as long as you could make it through those first three days, it was pretty awesome because we would, you know, it, it took a lot to cancel practice out there just because mm-hmm. like we knew it was going to rain. And so it was like, Hey man, like just deal with it. 
Um, but sometimes it gets sloppy enough to where we really had to, you know, go underneath and utilize the kit. I was, I was reading a book. You remind me, I was reading a book on um, the Oregon State's back-to-back national championship teams. And what came up several times is the advantage they have with skills drills and repetitions in covered areas where the SoCal teams and Southwest teams are just scrimmaging all the time. And it's, it's just, you know, this and that it was this, it was the indoor, it was the indoor drills that you just had to do because the weather was just garbage. And, yeah, and think- like four or five players attributed both national titles to those rain skills drills um, because their, their fielding was so exceptional. Those two, yeah. those two title teams. I mean, so that's you interesting. Get, you just get so many reps of like the fundamentals that, you know, that you don't get to break down to the real fine details that maybe some better weather is just because, man, it's nice out. We got to play, you know what I mean? Like where it's like, Hey, it's bad out. Let's really break it down. Let's see how many reps we can get on um, Mm -hmm. whether it's glove work, footwork, all kinds of stuff that you can break down. You know, even on the recruiting side now, when, you know, when I'm looking at kids, a lot of that stuff, you know, Northwest kids excel at just because the amount of time that they're mm-hmm. indoors working on stuff, um, whether, you know, the other pieces like the speed and agility. I know that we were better at that stuff just because we were able to go inside and do that stuff. You know what I mean? Like do plyos, do, you know, sprint work, stuff like that, as opposed to, you know, we might be a little bit behind the first week or so on live pitches, um, just getting used to the rhythm of the game. But the overall physicality and the athleticism, I felt like we were a little bit further ahead than most people. Mm-hmm. Now, at what point, um, at what point would you start to recognize in yourself and start to believe in yourself? Like, Hey, you know, like, I think we can, we could take this to another level and play, you know, somewhere, uh, in college. Um, I, you know, I think once I started getting letters around my like junior year or something, I was like, Oh, okay. Like, you know what I mean? I was, I was pretty green to the whole, um, process, if you will. And, you know, now being on the other side of it, I was very green. Um, you know, so when I'd get some of those camp invites that would get mass emailed out, I was like, Oh man, I got a letter from Pepperdine and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I was, it it was cool. I I always had a good self belief. Um, it's just, you know, once you start hearing it from other people, for sure, it adds a little bit of validity in your mind. Yeah. Um, you know, we we had a very, very stacked high school team. I think we were like number one in the state um, both year by junior, senior year um, when we were really rolling. And um, so there was, you know, there was a lot of really good players on there. So like when you did really well, you knew you were doing really well. Yeah. Um, so it, I think you wouldn't get outside the fact because those same teammates would humble you real fast. But I think um, you also built in an internal belief system yeah. in you as well. What would you tell yourself now? What if if what would you tell your younger self now? Now, knowing what you know, if you could go uh, back and tell I, yourself what your younger self anything, what would you tell your younger self to do differently? Uh, you know that's a great question. I if I had to do it over with, I would have probably gone to more of the um like team camps and different things to get my name out there i think i just i also think back then though there wasn't the um clear availability to be able to do that Mm -hmm. um i don't think i think it was a little bit muddy to waters of what actually do you do to get recruited Mm -hmm. um 
I, you know, I was just always under the assumption, oh, I'm, I'm good. So they'll come find me. Um, but you so know, the process I, is clear now. Yeah. Like yeah. there's just Northwest baseball, especially now has done such a better job of increasing the visibility of the players in the Northwest, um, you know, across the nation. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll go, you know, the recruiting trips down in Arizona and the baseball Northwest or the PAC Northwest team, whoever's down there, you know, a lot of times those are some of the best athletes on the field with teams from all over the nation, but now they're out there in front of, you know, 300 coaches as opposed to just playing in a Northwest tournament. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I think that's the piece I would have tried to get my, my face in front of more people. Mm -hmm. So when but you, I wouldn't change anything. So. Yeah, when you got to got around and making a decision, what you know, what made you choose Tacoma Community College as opposed to any of the other you know universities or schools that were interested in you? Yeah, so you know, I had a I had a lot of like D three um, like two way packages like for football and baseball, mm. um, like Linfield. Um, actually when it was the one that was just the baseball that was going after me pretty hard was actually Bales when he was over at, uh, Fox, um, Pat Bailey, um, when he was the head guy at George Fox, he had me on, on a visit and, you know, I stayed overnight and did was that. that was, well, they, they didn't, that wasn't a two way offer. They didn't have football no, that at that point. At that point. Right. They, they won't. Oh, okay. But Linfield's a big two way school. They're yeah. really into that. Yeah. They were, yeah. They were trying to play that pretty hard. And, okay. Um, you know, I loved football, but my my goal was to play baseball. You know what I yeah. mean? And so it it kind of de deterred me a little bit. And like all through high school, Donegal Fergus, who used to be at UW, now he's the hitting coordinator with the Minnesota Twins, really close friend of mine now. But he was at Lower Columbia College at the time and was like hounding me all the time. Um and then actually when he went to TCC for his first head job, you know, I, I went up there with him mm -hmm. uh, and I just, it was the relationship that I built and I trusted yeah. him and I think he was going to develop me and he did. Um, so it was great. So let's, let's dive into that, um, that experience at Tacoma Community College because you played about two years there. Yep. What was that? Let's talk a little bit about that experience and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm probably going to kill this name, but it's. Uh, uh Don Eagle. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Fergus. Yeah, Donegal Fergus. Donegal Fergus. Okay, yeah, they had it spelt wrong. <laughs> okay, so Donaville. Yeah, so Donaville Fergus was the the head coach there. Is who he played for? Yeah, so he uh he was a really young head coach that um you know had a lot of energy um pushed us really hard that first year. He got the job really, really late. So that group of us were kind of uh, not I wouldn't I wouldn't call us scrubs, but it was like it was a lot of guys that maybe we all felt like we were overlooked in the recruiting process a little bit. So those chippy guys, a lot, a little bit of chips on our shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. There was boulders on shoulders at that place. But um, it was the tightest team that I've ever played on. Hmm. Um and we, for having way less talent than most people in the, the, we went all the way to the, I think it was either the NWAC championship game or took third place or something like that. Like we went, we were picked last and everything. And we just kind of ran the table and just smoked everyone. So it was, it was an incredible experience. And I think that's where I really 
realized having played for Ferg and the the relationship that he uh, created within the team and then with the individuals, I think, you know, I'd be remiss to say that that's for the, for sure. The reason that I became a coach was the experience that I had at DCC. So what, what was that it factor that, that he, he gave off that really kind of like, Oh my God, you know, this is, this is what, or was it a combination of all the other additional like assistant coaches and so on? Uh, it was it was mostly Ferg, um, but it was it was definitely the fact that he you know expected um, you know perfection during practice and drove you to perfection during practice and was very very hard on you. I I remember very vividly sleeping in during morning weights, and so I was like seventy two minutes late to weights. And so I had 72 poles to run before the game if I wanted to play. Oh, damn. So he was very hard on us, but at the same instance, off the field, he would do anything for you. Like, he truly had the, you know, student-athletes best interest at heart at all times. He just demanded a lot out of you on the field, but then afterwards would take care of you and anything you needed. And So I think that relationship, like, it just helped nurture what I wanted to be as a coach. Um, you know, it was, it was an, an incredible experience for me and, you know, to this day, me and him are extremely close. Mm-hmm. So, um, I know I, it, this is jumping ahead a little bit by saying, talking about, you know, you going and eventually going on to Hawaii Pacific university. But the reason why I bring that up is because I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that grind between in, in the difference between go, going to a community college and playing ball for a community college as opposed to playing like with a you know at a higher level you know what what are, what are the differences for those you know those that really don't know that between a community college versus like a, a university okay yeah i'd say i'd say the biggest change is like the overall um like structure of a day um at at junior college um you know a lot of times um, the classes are, you know, like one or two a day and then like usually like an online class or something in there. So it was, it was more like going to weights and going to practice. Like mm-hmm. the school part was was hard, but it wasn't it wasn't excessive. Yeah. Um, and when you when you go on, it's just it just it like everything gets amplified. Um, so like workouts were were even harder and longer. But then you, on top of that, then you had four classes. And then in between those four classes, you had to figure out how to eat. And then after that, then you had to go to a three-hour practice. And then if you wanted to get better, you usually stayed after to get extra. Or And then after that, you have to do your homework at some point, and you still got to eat. So it's just like the time management and just the overall, like, everything's just more. Yeah. We're... Were you commuting to and from school, like staying out, outside, or were you staying locally on, on, on campus? Like, is this at, are you at talking Tacoma? About yeah. Oh, at Tacoma? Yeah, I lived right across the street from the field. Okay. Oh, did you? Well, yeah. That's convenient. Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't like you were, like, commuting away, so it was it was a little bit easier so for you. So it was you. a little bit more laid back and a little bit more... A little bit more free time and just... just yeah, like, yeah. You, you know, if you, if you went back and crushed... Tiger Woods golf or 
an hour and a half before <laughs> practice. It wasn't going to put you back a lot. Gotcha. Um, so let's let's jump in. I mean, I, you know, I did mention that you ended up going from Tacoma Community College to Hawaii Pacific University. Um, at what point was Hawaii really like, you know, hey, Jake, we really want you to, to come play for us? Or And, and were there other... Uh, universities um, getting in the mix there too. Yeah, what did your your sophomore year look like, or your second year of college ball at, at TTC? We were we were really really talented. And we underachieved a lot. Um, we at, at TCC we had a lot of lot of talent. Um, we just we just didn't play very well down the stretch, um, and so we kind of laid an egg. Like we probably should have been, you know, in the mix for that championship. I think we still made that. NWAC tournament and all that, but it wasn't, it wasn't like the same magic as the year before. So, mm -hmm. um, but you know, I had, I had another good year and the, uh, you know, I like looking back now, this is the part where I really knew that I was green, like on, being on the other side of it is I had a lot of, uh, division one, um, recruited walk-on spots, um, which are like gold as coaches now, right? Like those are the, the guys you really go on the limb for. Um, but I took it. I took it as like an offense. Um, hey, you're not gonna give me any money. You know what I mean? Like that's the way that I viewed it, and I, I was just wasn't smart enough about it. Um, and but then you know Hawaii. It, one, it was Hawaii, but two, it was you know they're paying for everything. So it was like, well, okay, let's do this. Mm -hmm. There you go. So uh, let's let's talk about that transition going from the the northwest. To beautiful sunny Hawaii, where it's seven. And you were still able degrees. to focus, huh? Yeah, yeah. Met my wife over there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, what was that? Uh, what was that transition like for you? It was definitely a transition, um, especially the first day of school when I walked in there and the professor still wasn't in there, and it's and then all of a sudden it's like fifteen minutes after class was supposed to start and they're still not there, and I'm like, what's going on? And then they roll in like it was nothing because they were on Hawaii time. Everything rolls like 10, 15 minutes late. Um, and then, you know, they like, we finish a test and, you know, the professor's looking at us. He's like, you guys all pal? And I'm like, what? And that's just them asking if you're done. And I'm like. Oh, Cultural yeah. tidbits, huh? <laughs> yeah. So I just had to like, I had to like pick it up on the fly a little bit. And, um, yeah, it was I was really, really lucky because I had really, really good teammates at Hawaii Pacific as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'd say probably fifty percent of our roster that first year were um Hawaiian natives. Okay. Um and so, you know, I I didn't really have to run into too many roadblocks. Like they kinda guided me around how to, you know, do things the right way and, you know, get around town, all that stuff. Um, I know the one thing that I screwed up on was I, I bought like a, you know, like a $3,000, you know, 200,000 mile, uh, Jeep Cherokee while I was over there, you know, it was like 20 years <laughs> old or something like that. And, um, you quickly realize you think Portland doesn't have any parking. Hawaii, Hawaii has absolutely zero right. parking. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so you got a moped. I did. I, I I sold that. I sold that Jeep as soon as I got over there for the exact same amount that I had it. Um, nice. And uh, bought a bought a bought a moped. And you actually bought a moped. A hundred percent. That thing. That's was awesome. Best. Yeah, it was the best. That's cool. Yeah. So you played under Coach Garrett Yukimoto. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Yukes. Yeah, yep. 
what was what was he like? He, he, he was a good dude, man. Um, I'd say me and him had a lot of battles um, because I think a lot of my strengths were also some of my biggest weaknesses, like believing that I was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I was probably a pretty tough dude to coach. Um, and so me and Ukes had a lot of run-ins, but um, – I was hitting well enough that he didn't take me out of the lineup ever. So, um, but, uh, yeah, but now it's funny, man. Those, a lot of times, those are the guys that you end up liking the most at the end are those mm-hmm. players that really challenged you as a coach. And, um, you know, me and Ukes are tight now. Um, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a funny, funny deal, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was touch and go there a little bit the first year, but do you, do you, um, kind of re- lean back on him a little bit? you know, as one coach to another now? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk to him from time to time. I lean on Ferg a lot. Um, I think my personality, uh, is a little bit closer to Donegal's. So, um, I'm, I feel like when I have questions about stuff, it's something that he probably had questions in the past as well. So. Mm-hmm. Now you were a team captain both years at Hawaii Pacific. Oh, that's cool. Now yep. was that a voted upon by your peers, or was this a I'm I'm just gonna be the, the captain? You know, I'm, I don't I'm I'm really rem- I don't really remember if we voted on it or not, but it was just known. Um, you came in with like a like a patch over, like all right, I'm the captain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely. I mean, you know, it caused a little bit of issues at the start. This new guy coming in, that, uh, but I think. I think just like any good business or any good program, like when everyone's challenging each other to be better, you know, the cream flows to the top. And I think mm. that's what we, did. I mean, we won almost 40 games both years I was there. It was, Oh really? That was yeah. my next question. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was a, I we read, could really. So. Yeah. I read that you set a couple, a few single season records while you were there in 2008. Um, yep. You set the single season run scored record with 58. Uh, you also set the walks record with 52, yeah. and yeah. then I might be wrong, but I didn't. I came across an article that said that you also set the single season record for triples. Is that correct? Yeah, and I think every triple was on a 3-0 count, and Ukes was trying to give me the take. No way. No green yeah. light for you. Well, no. Well, with your speed, he just wanted you on base. No, yeah. I, I think he gave me the take. I was swinging. <laughs> right. That, he, he, and, and so then there were some battles later on, oh, even yeah. after you score. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. Runs. Wow. <laughs> so as you're... Yeah, he's you're, like, you're a burner. You get on base. Do not take that bat off your shoulders. <laughs> that, that's yeah. it. Uh, yeah. As your was, collegiate career wound down, you know, did, were, you think, were you thinking at any point, like, of playing... You know, playing on professionally after college, or, and then if, you know, if so, how did that go, or you know, what was that thought process like? Yeah, so um, you know, I had a lot of uh, like talks with uh, different scouts on the free agent signing, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it was kind of one of those like I knew that I was like, if I did actually get signed, I was going to be playing catch with the prospect. I wasn't going to be the prospect, mm-hmm. but I was all about it. You know what I mean? Like I just wanted a chance. Um, and it just never kind of materialized ever. Like the guys that I knew had needs, had needs for, you know, pitchers, which I understand, like, you know, they didn't need a five, nine white guy, um, playing center field. So, um, I, I understood it. And so I tried to, um, take it for what it's worth. And then I, I actually 
was all set up to go play independent ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and then while I was training, um, I actually blew my UCL out. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. And so, but then it kind of, you know, it's crazy. Everything works out for a reason, right? And so, like, I'm sitting there trying to decide, like, am I going to have this surgery and try to rehab it and go back and all this other stuff? And, you know, my assistant at Hawaii Pacific while I was there, um, got offered the volunteer job at Stephen F. Austin down in Texas, which is mm-hmm. a small D1 down in Texas. And he turned it down because he wanted to stay on the island, but he knew that I was going to be a good coach. Like, I didn't know this. Like, he told me this all postscript, obviously. Um, so he gave him my name, and that guy called me and interviewed me and asked if it's something. I'm like, well, I'm still – and I kind of read between the lines and kind of caught myself and was like, well, do you – you have a chance to get right into D1 coaching or go try to rehab for 14 months and probably not make it anyways. Um, you should probably just go be a coach. And so that's what I did. I uh, interviewed and got the job at Stephen F. Austin down in Texas, which is in Nacogdoches, Texas. And at that point I had no idea where that was, mm-hmm. um, but I took the job and moved down there and hmm. All right. just, just kind of, not a bad decision. Uh, yeah. Well, we're going to get that. and We're going to get to your coaching uh, career and where you're at right now in the next episode. But we just want to take some time and uh, thank you for, for joining us for this episode and uh, helping us uh, stay safe and not uh, not get to spread COVID anywhere. I'm not saying yeah. you have it, but just we all stay safe. So thank you so much for coming on, Coach. Appreciate, appreciate it. You know, the, the stuff you guys are doing for Northwest Baseball is awesome, so I'm happy I can be a part of it. All right. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate that. That'll do it for this particular episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. We'll be back next week with Coach Jake Valentine. We're going to talk about his coaching career and where he's at now. So you take care. Have yourself a great day for Dave and Ben. Peace out.